Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine, And I'm Stephen. So, we're back. Yes, so to you we were never away. <laughs> That's right. But to us, um, we've had quite a while off now to be fair. Feels like it. I think like a couple of weeks or so, isn't yeah. it? Like two yeah, I mean weeks. we... We did a little bit of work in between. I had to obviously stick them up on the the podcast release, but we did record a few things, didn't we? So we had a bit of a bank, but mm. now that's run dry, so we've got a lot of work to do. Mm. Time to start again for January. Indeed. Uh, we've got some interesting people lined up, actually, to interview, so that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, anyway, what were you doing over the holidays, Enceline? Anything to tell us? <laughs> uh, well, I was at yours, wasn't I? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the world where we have to pretend that um, you know we don't know the answer to the question. Mm. Oh yes. Well, I was, um, I was with you and Mum, um, and obviously went and cooked Christmas dinner for the old people. That's right, um, you did. Yeah, yeah. That was nice. um, and then we had Christmas Day, so I spent a week at yours, didn't I? Which was nice. Yeah, that was all um, lovely. You played Sabutio, your little game that you've still not put a picture of. So I mean, that's terrible, right. not doing his homework. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, you played your Sabutio. You got your Christmas present from us, which was a VR headset. Oh, I love the VR headset. I absolutely love it. You're having a very it. good time with it, aren't you? I love it. I can't... I, honestly, I could become addicted to it. Mm. Especially it's Beat Saber. I absolutely yeah. love Beat Saber. I told anybody you to else, get it. Yeah. Anybody else who's got that, um, you'll have to talk to us. It's great. I've got My that. My housemate got... wants to go round to play it. Yeah. She really wants to play. <laughs> she's she's it's brilliant. She's always it's wanted to so play good. Beat Saber, she said. So, yeah. It is yeah. really fun. I was saying on Twitter that um, because there's this concept in psychology called uh, flow, which I think you've probably heard Mm -hmm. of, um, by this, I think it was a Hungarian psychologist with a completely unpronounceable name. Um, What was his name? Mihai, Chick Make Mihai or something. Um, It's anyway, his name is hard to pronounce, but he came up with this idea of flow. Mm -hmm. I've read it. it. Yeah. (laughs) So what is flow then? Uh, it's like um, well, it's flow state specifically, yes. isn't it? So it's That's when you it. get into a um, into a state of like complete focus, I suppose. Um, so it's like it's it it's different to meditation though, because you're focused mm. on a particular thing that you're doing, not just on. That's right. The point is that you're focused, not not removing focus. I and it's doing an action. So it's like sometimes if you're runners, sometimes talk about it. Or dancing dancing like, yeah because the ones yeah. i read were about i did a, mu- a module called music as communication and the idea was right. like um this kind of flow state being achieved in like the early 2000s in clubs however there is some debate as to where the flow was being <laughs> gotten from <laughs> yeah where There's was flow this flow, flow. flow. <laughs> yeah um so yeah that was interesting but yeah this idea of um of flow so mm. i think there's been adverts where they had window cleaners in a state of flow where they're doing it in like have you seen those they're like using the squeegees like perfectly i don't remember that it's quite I, funny as as a window cleaner for you know probably about five years i don't think i ever achieved the state of flow in my job but i would say that this um this beat saber i've i've hit moments where it felt as close to that as i could imagine Mm-hmm. Um, where your kind of arms are moving to the music, hitting those things that are coming at you, 
in time to the music and it just it's almost effortless and it's just brilliant i love it absolutely love it i have never um, received a state of flow in um in music formats we should uh, we should say that we're going to get on to our main topic of the week shortly we're going to talk about being wrong aren't we so uh, we're going to explore that a little bit but um yeah uh, we thought we'd just have a little bit of a, a preamble about mm-hmm. what we did over new year so that's that's for me a big thing i'm really into vr and i want to do a bit more uh, about that i think especially for my sort of other life my training side of things there's there's possibly areas where we i can cross over into you know because there's like venues where you can go and do training presentations and like in this vr to world we are now yeah that's right some offices where you like yeah instead of going into the mm. workplace you put on a vr headset so you can interact right. with everybody but in like yeah. a covid safe way yeah i mean you know you, there's obviously a lot of hype around it and um how much of that is actually going to happen but for me it's really interesting and great fun so mm. yeah that's what mm-hmm. i've been doing uh the other thing i've been doing which um I've just I've become addicted to this too, actually, uh, and you've got to do it if you've never done it before. And I have mentioned this to you before, I think. But um, there's this thing on YouTube. There's this phenomena on YouTube where you can watch people listen to music for the first time, particular types of music for the first time, and it's always wonderful to watch uh, a really young person get exposed to something that you know i know from years mm. and years and years ago and watch them as they as they hear it for the very first time um it's an absolute honestly it's addictive Celine. Mm. it <laughs> is absolutely addictive there's one particular track which um i mean i only discovered it fairly recently myself but it's from a very old band so you know old wrinklies like me will remember the good old days of genesis when they were a prog rock band and there's a track called Firth of Fifth. Um, oh, if you've never <laughs> if you've never heard that song, I think I, I played it to you once uh, a few months ago. No, it was Christmas. <laughs> was it? Oh no, yeah, we did have it on over Christmas, but I played it before. But <laughs> if you've ever heard Firth of Fifth, um or not heard it, you really need to listen to it. It is the most amazing piece of music. It's about nine minutes long. Um, and it's just got the most hauntingly, achingly beautiful guitar guitar solo in it. Anyway, there's these, uh, there's loads of these young people listening to this for the first time. Uh, people suggest, you know, listen to this and listen to this. So they they listen to it. Sometimes they've got a mate with them. Uh, there's one particular young woman. Um, I will advertise her site. She's called Ambrose Cynthia. Um, I think she's Nigerian. Um, she's very young, uh, but she listened to this. And honestly, her response, it was like tear jerking because mm. she was like in tears. Um, it's absolutely brilliant. So check it out. You won't regret it. I'm telling you. <laughs> That's what I did over Christmas. You're having a good time. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Cool. Anything well, you want to talk about? Well, I too have been playing games. I've been playing... a a spooky game where it's like it's it's so good i wish that there was more i've played all of it now in because there's like multiple of them it's called little nightmares and it's so okay. good it's a side scroller in the way that you know platform games mean? oh yeah yeah you know the way that they roll yeah. from one side to the other except mm-hmm. it's like it's like it's not 3d in the sense that it's in the like because it's two because it's side scrolling but it is yeah. more than 2d like it looks okay. really cool and yeah. the concept art is really cool um but it's a puzzle game as well so you're you're a little kid trying to escape these like nightmares basically um and it's so fun it's really (laughs) fun um because you're trying to work out the puzzles i mean um, my partner were playing it and we'll be like okay i think you need to put the book there and then you do this and that and it's really fun that's really really fun but it's so scary as well um yeah you do scream when you play it some bits just because it's like (laughs) Yeah, like it is. It is like nightmares from when you're a kid, but you're playing them out in this side scroller. That was really fun. Cool. All right. Well, and we'll have to put some links on the yeah. Uh, show notes. And then if anyone's played, yeah, I'd love to know because mm. it's very fun. Yeah, a bit of feedback from all these little uh, things that we've been going on about. Go uh, engage with our... some media. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Should we get on to our main segment then? For sure. Yeah. So we're talking about being wrong. Yes. Uh, I said about this at like Christmas mm, Eve good. or something. I was like, we've got to talk about 
being wrong. And Why? Why did you think that was important? Because I don't want anyone to run away with the idea that we have everything right or that we won't ever get something wrong on this podcast. Um, <laughs> like we need to be, we are fallible. You know, we are. So it's just like a big people. disclaimer, basically. It is, but it's also, but so not just for us, but for yourself. Mm. So it's like for people that are listening, it's like you are going to make mistakes, you are going to be wrong, and that's okay. And like for different people, for different reasons, that will have different, I guess, like emotional ramifications. Mm. Um, so you know, I guess with with, um witnesses stuff sometimes like we've said sometimes with the situation with um the male female way that witnesses yeah. are raised um that the being wrong thing has different implications so important to accept you know just we're humans will be wrong sometimes and talk about that so yeah that, i think it's a really it's a really good one i, I, I like the idea and, and um i think it's an important one to talk about um yeah, I suppose the first thing to say is that everybody accepts that they're wrong from time to time, mm-hmm. um, but we all accept it in theory. Yeah. So we're all very good at saying, oh, yeah, you know, of course I get things wrong. Mm-hmm. But when somebody points a specific thing out to us that we've got wrong, at that point it becomes much more difficult to accept mm-hmm. that we're wrong. So I thought um, that would be quite interesting to look at the psychology of that. Why is it so difficult to yeah. accept that we're wrong? Well, I know I know that some people have said to me, like, uh, oh, I realised at some point through this argument that I was wrong. <laughs> I was already committed, so I just carried on. I was like, yes. ah! <laughs> that, that if that's your trait, it's toxic, you've got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> when you know you're wrong and you just are like, I'm going to die on this hill anyway. Mm. Um, but that's, I guess, the psychology of it. Yeah, people don't like to be wrong. I think that's one of one of the pieces. So that's perhaps one of the answers as to. I think you said it as well when we were having a discussion about it over Christmas. Is that um, people generally don't accept they're wrong during an argument? People don't change their minds in front no. of you. Yeah, or at least Again, they don't appear um, to. The great gospel of Lena. <laughs> something she said i feel like if i i have to give credit because i know that there's gumption listeners on here so i don't want to just act as though i'm like clever enough to have said that but it does sound like i'm just like becoming slowly a cult member of lena um but yeah youtuber yeah like you know i'm one of her patrons (laughs) um but yeah it's something that i heard and i was like so true Mm. Yeah, mm. very true. People don't change their mind in front of you. They go do it quietly and yeah. slowly change it with, in hopes that no one will see. <laughs> That's right. And so some of that psychologically is um, a desire not to feel foolish, I suppose. And mm-hmm. um, it, there's a there's a sense of, I suppose, fear of looking weak, mm-hmm. fear of looking foolish, um, making mistakes. You know, these things are things that we we tend to want to put our best face forward to other people. And and that seems to cut against that, doesn't it? So there's perhaps an ego thing there. We don't like to be seen to get things wrong because somehow that damages our credibility. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's that's probably partly what's going on. I took um, I had a little look at the uh, some of the research on this. Um, actually, there's a there's a Psychology Today article by Mike Brooks that I'll put a link to, which is uh, quite quite good. It's it's very very surface, um, but it's still good. Um, I think basically the uh, the the thing he talks about is uh, where was it now? The takeaway. So there's a little section here called the takeaway. And he says that admitting we're wrong is difficult because we attach our sense of self to an idea, cause or group. Um, When we feel that the idea about our self, our identity is threatened, Mm -hmm. our evolutionary link to fight, flight or freeze survival mechanism becomes activated. So that's quite interesting. So we are linking, according to him, we're linking um, being right with our sense of, who we are our sense of self 
Um, and that's why that becomes very precious to us. It's like a threat to us now. It's not just a threat to some third party or some objective thing that's out there. Mm-hmm. It's actually something that we are connected to in some way. So that certainly relates to things like politics and religion and things like that. Um, so I think that's one of the, the Maybe big Maybe that's why it's so drivers. hard when uh, you are considering leaving a high control group mm. because being... Uh, it's not like just saying, oh, the religion's wrong. It's like, oh, this core part of me is wrong. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you've been raised in it. But even if you've come in, actually, in a way that can be perhaps that could be even, even more difficult. Because you chose yeah. it. You're like, I That's chose right. this truth for myself. Yeah. You know, in, in scare quotes, truth. Mm. Um, but, you know, I chose this and, oh, I'm wrong is hard, right? Yeah, that's right. And that, in, I think you're right. In many ways, like, it could be more difficult. Um mm. If you're born in, it's so much wrapped up in you, though, that... It is um, your identity from the moment you're, like, able to be conscious. That's right. Yeah. Mm. So I think that that rings quite quite true. I think that's one of the issues, certainly when it comes to important things like, I suppose, politics or big things like politics, philosophy, religion, morals and ethics, these sorts of things are connected to us as an individual how we how we see ourselves how we feel about things so somebody challenges that they're challenging our our self they're challenging challenging our identity in some way i think mm. so i think one of the biggest challenges obviously this this podcast is about that process of leaving a high control religion cults whatever it is and finding your way in the world and I think obviously people who have done that have made perhaps the biggest change in their lives. And that in some respects is the biggest admission of being wrong mm-hmm. that they're ever going to make. So I think that's, you know, that's one of the, one of the things, as you said, that stops people from recognizing that they're in some sorts of cults, you know, who mm-hmm. wants to admit that? Cause that's like a big admission of being wrong. You know, I, 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 I'm in the one true religion. Oh no, I'm not in the one true religion. I made a mistake. That's really difficult to say. Mm -hmm. But once you've done that, once you've been through that process, you might assume that you are now in a better place. You know, you're in a place that is somebody that will accept they're wrong about other things. But in my experience, I think it's easy to, uh, for that actually to go the other way and think, I, I have now, proven my chops when it comes to admitting i'm wrong mm. you know i of course i admit i'm wrong when i am wrong look i left this organization mm. i left this religion so don't try to tell me that i don't admit when i'm wrong i learned that lesson the hard way and i've heard people talk like this mm. um but in a way that risks then the person feeling that they're in a some sort of advanced position where they're going to admit other things that they're wrong but i think it's very easy for us then just to pick on something else or pick something else up and say well Mm -hmm. you know this is i think it's truly a case-by-case basis it is and one doesn't feed into the other unfortunately i think Mm. being wrong is not something that you grow better at being (laughs) yes you know a lot of things i think you're Mm. like you can it's like a skill to be honed but i don't think being wrong is something you can like get better at recognizing yes do you know what i mean and or admitting because Mm. i think like you can become more critical and give yourself better like opportunity to realize do you know what i mean but like being wrong and like being in that is never like oh, I'm used to that and it's easy. Do you know what I mean? That's right. It's always hard. It's always hard. And Mm. that just, you know, like we said, maybe it is to do with the psychology of it. It most likely is that, you know, (laughs) by nature, we don't want to be wrong. Um, But I guess the best thing you can do is like you say, you know, be more critical, be very questioning. Um, So then when you come to a situation where eventually you are wrong, because you won't always make the right choices, um, hopefully you've not been wrong for as long <laughs> um yeah it's kind of what i would say but you never get 
get good at it, I suppose, where you're like, oh, I was wrong well, for five minutes and then I realised because obviously I'm so good at being wrong, I immediately realise straight away. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean? Well, I do. I'm, I'm not sure I agree with you. Um, you may be wrong about that. Um, mm. But I, I don't know. Um, uh, part of the problem is that, of course, we can only admit we're wrong in hindsight mm. because the moment we change our minds you know we at that moment we're now looking back saying well i, I was so. wrong about that <laughs> um but i'm right now it's, yeah but it's never like but do you never have those things when you immediately know you're in the wrong or are we treating those as two different things i think that that is slightly different i think that's just being mm. what i would describe as bloody minded where mm. you are you are doing it although consciously you're not you know you're arguing on a side of mm-hmm. something that you don't really believe. You know, and people it, are like, I'm just doing it to be devil's advocate. Yeah, well, well I, like... I, I, that's a bit different, I, I think. Yeah. Um, I think what's what's most interesting is admitting to ourselves that we're wrong. And um, carrying it on. And then, yeah, and then obviously you're having to make a decision about, about what we do. Uh, but I think genuinely most people, I'm sure you're right that sometimes people will argue mm. even if they know they're wrong. But I think in a way that's, they're outliers and, and we can just, are we they, can dismiss or are them. They, are they the people that are just slightly better at their dissonance holding? <laughs> well, that's interesting. Web. There's a web here. <laughs> Basically, I'm just making it really complicated, but it's interesting too, so... So cognitive dissonance is is one of the biases. So one of the things I looked at was what what are the biases around? So we've talked about cognitive biases before. Mm-hmm. We said we'd come back to this. So this is another one of those subjects. So cognitive dissonance is is that uh, uncomfortable feeling we get when we have two opposing views that are sort of sitting in in our mind, um, and we can't reconcile them. So what we often do at that point is to go with the thing that we've always believed or that are, is more comfortable for us that makes our lives easier and of course that's one of the things that you do in a religion if you don't really believe it or you have grave doubts on the one hand you've got these doubts it doesn't seem to make sense but on the other you know it's it's been everything to you it's part of your mm. identity it's part of who you are so you've got this uncomfortable feeling so what often people will do what often we'll do is go with the one that means less difficulty so we'll mm-hmm. just put the other thing on a shelf and and hope that it goes away um so yeah i guess it could be that people are um pushing down those those things that don't really make sense and uh, mm-hmm. and are able to do that better but that's a bit different than the person who's just arguing for the sake of it because they don't want to look like they're backing down i think mm. we can call those people psychopaths and um mm-hmm. i'm not interested in those people because that's no, just no. That's, that's just what nonsense, i mean though like it? as in um i suppose people that like i said we, people don't change their mind in front of you so maybe you don't have to keep if you think you've given them something to chew over and mm. consider don't keep like hammering because yeah. that's something i have stopped <laughs> um mm. is that when i was like quite a precocious um like you know i'm a, i'm a liberal left left wing pit person and like i still am but i'm not as like um the way i went about it was like i'm gonna tell you why you're wrong and yeah because I've explained it properly, now you understand. <laughs> and it's like, tell me that you, you now understand and that you're mm, on my side. And it's like, leave right. them alone. You've had the conversation yeah, yeah. yeah, and I'll leave them with it. And if, you know, they change their mind, they'll do that. And if they mm. won't, they won't. Um, yeah. yeah. So that was like, I guess a thing about like, sometimes, yeah, you'll think that you're right. Um, and maybe they think you're right, but give them a minute. <laughs> leave them alone yeah i mean that's good advice generally isn't it um can you think of anything that then that uh, i thought it'd be perhaps nice to think about things that we've we can admit we're wrong about or have Mm. been wrong about Mm -hmm. um so i've thought about a couple of things have you got anything on your list of things that you've been wrong Mm. about that you can admit publicly on the podcast right now I've never been Celine. wrong ever, so it's <laughs> fine. Um, no, I, I know that there's lots of things, but I just like 
I know I, I've done things. I've been like, oh, I was definitely in the wrong there. And then you have to go and apologize to someone and be like, look, mm. sorry. Mm. Um, I was being a bit of a dick there, <laughs> you know? Um, so I know that I've like had, you know, put on my big girl pants and gone and said sorry to people when I'm not. But um, I suppose like it's in a good way as well. I've not dwelled on it. So no, I know that I've had things that I've like changed my mind on or that I've said like, sorry about, um, but I think I've not dwelled on them. Like I've took it and moved on with mm. new information, but I can't like, I- I'm sure I will as we go. Remember one. So that, um, that's when we've perhaps said something or done something that mm-hmm. we, we think, yeah, actually I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Like I felt I justified, that. but then afterwards yeah. being like, okay, well that's, that wasn't justified. So I'm mm. not going to, so I'd like to say sorry for that or whatever. Yeah. So I suppose that's that's something about an individual piece of behaviour. When it's more difficult is when it's linked to perhaps a pattern of behaviour or um, a personality trait that mm. we know about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's one of the areas that, that it gets mm-hmm. more difficult then. Um, mm. You know, if it's a one-off, you can say, look, I shouldn't have said that, I'm very sorry. Yeah. But if somebody's come to you and said, look, one of the things that you keep doing mm. um, is, you know, you keep doing this, then that, I think that's more difficult to cope with because that's it feels like a, an attack on your person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Your personality mm. as opposed to just a mistake you made. So that's mm-hmm. quite interesting. Mm. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll start and there's a few that are kind of pretty obvious. And um, we've talked about some of these things on, on the podcast, actually. I mean, mm-hmm. clearly um, when I first left the organization the jehovah's witnesses and started to try and build my own career i was absolutely focused on that and anybody that was you know getting in my way i was i was gonna tell them to get out down (laughs) yeah i mean yeah no i know i wasn't i wasn't an ogre um, (laughs) but yeah uh, not an ogre um Mm. but i I definitely said things and behaved in ways that if I had, if I had my time to do again, I wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I also was a bit jealous of people and was a bit sniffy of people who I suppose had freedom to do what they wanted to do, Mm -hmm. you know? And I I think I was jealous of that. This is going Mm -hmm. back sort of 20 years when I first left uh, Mm -hmm. the organization and I'd, I was in this situation where I'd, I'd got my life kind of already, mapped out for me in many respects and it was it was a difficult time and I Mm -hmm. just I think I was a bit of a jerk really to some people Mm. um so I think that that was something that I've had to come to terms with but it's been years really to for me to kind of accept and understand that so I think Mm. that's that's one of the things so people don't always you don't always get the chance and and it's to say you're sorry, you know, just to, re- to recognize that and to, mm-hmm. to sort it out. You know, I'm not going to be finding people I worked yeah. with 20 years ago mm-hmm. to say, oh, you know, that thing I said, I wish I hadn't said that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just have to, you know, put it behind you and just just leave it, don't you? Um, I think, you know, professionally, there's quite a few things, actually, and in, in, in terms of psychology and what I've learned. So I was very sniffy about things like, phenomenology and um, qualitative Mm. research i was very for me it was all about scientific rigor being objective having experiments or other things like that um and that was how we we were going to understand psychology as a science as opposed to you know the sort of nonsense that is uh just you know having one or two people in a in a participant pool and imagining that that can tell us anything about psychology um and i think i've really changed my mind on that i mean i was very anti-phenomenology which is really a study of what it's like to be an individual what it's like to be somebody else and really trying to get as close as possible to their experience and understand what that can tell us about them and their Mm. experience and and maybe something about wider psychology and and i was very anti that but i've really changed so much Mm -hmm. that now you know some of my research is um um is very much around 
the phenomenology. Oh, one of the things that I should have mentioned. I've got some, I've got a bit of news to tell. Don't let me I forget was gonna, that. No, I know. Again. I was going to say mm. if people want to know about the research yeah, he's talking we'll, about, we'll come to that. Let's mm-hmm. let's talk about that later. Yeah. Okay. So exciting news. Um. Anyway. Um. Yeah. So I definitely had to to change my mind about that. I would have been in that camp that, you know, psychology should be a science. It needs to be evidence-based. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I, I don't think it's important to be evidence-based, but I think the way that I would, or what I would consider evidence has probably changed um, from it being purely experimental to much more, you know, qualitative research like interviewing people observing behavior in the real kind of world um so yeah i mean i can talk about more of that another time but that's that's definitely a a change in my own thinking definitely i thought one go on then um so a thing that i've been working on is um is that I need to tell people when something bothers me in that I don't tell people. I just like, right. I just, I just go, I tell someone else, like, I'll grumble to like my partner or something like, oh, just leaving this and doing, but then not telling them. So like, they'll not know that I, this other person won't know I'm upset with them. Yeah. And, and, and I'll just be, you know, growing resentment um, over time. And then, I'll say something, it'll be snappy. And they're like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, oh, you know, just all the things that you said you do that you haven't done, like you haven't done this, that. And then, you know, and I was like, oh, have we never heard of a vacuum? Do you know what I mean? All of a sudden they're like, whoa. And I was like, oh, that's not really their fault. So like, yeah, whatever they've done to annoy you in the first place, you can be like, hey, you're doing a thing that's annoying me. Quit it. Um, and then you'll have a conversation. But, you know, choosing to let it, build up and build up until you're resentful that's kind of on me and the realizing that resentment is not someone else's fault (laughs) resentment is entirely i've been thinking about this for two days (laughs) yeah exactly resentment is for me um it's it's a me problem um so that's something that i've worked on and like that Mm. has different um that spans out in different ways so like how you behave at work and like your you know personal relationships and all that so that's that's something that's important maybe that just comes with age as well and confidence but Mm. that's something i've realized i'm like hmm. i think it a lot comes with age i mean i i feel that another part of this actually is is willingness to be uncertain Mm. so i i think that's something that i've definitely changed of changed in over the years is that i've become much more willing to be uncertain about things Mm. so you know sometimes people will make a statement and i'll say well i don't really know you know it's really good question i don't know how i feel about that and some Mm -hmm. some of these really big issues and i'm still um on the fence not everything is identity based i think that's the other thing is that i've learned is that not everything i don't have to fit a tribe all the time Mm. like i think that's what i mean when i was younger and i was very like well, I'm yeah. left-leaning political ally of this yeah. and that, and you know, here's the list of things that you have that to I'm, believe in. Yeah, and I'm, and, I'm, side of the and I've done all of that, and I and I'm an ally to all of this, or yeah. like, and I can prove it by these things that I've done. Like it's being performative, mm. whereas now I try and make sure I know the things that I need to know. You know, in terms of yeah, I want to make sure I'm a good ally, but like not just in the way that I can like, well, I ticked all the boxes, so <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah um so that was another thing i think there's some areas in this kind of um in the ether that we don't necessarily have to get into in depth today Mm -hmm. but you know there's there's areas that are actually really quite tricky because they have they um that there's opposing rights and opposing needs Mm -hmm. and opposing anxieties or anxieties from different sides that it's easy to just dismiss one side or the other. Um, And I think that's something that is one of the big problems of society currently Mm. because of this tribal element that, you know, it's like, Oh, if you believe this, then you must be this sort of person. Mm. You know, you must hate this sort of person if you think that. Um, And I just don't think it's as easy as that. Um, You know, I think it's unfortunate that, that that is the way that discourse is currently, had um you know your your opinion about 
vaccines, for instance, and your opinion about trans rights. Mm-hmm. These two things actually should be completely uncoupled as far as I'm concerned. Mm. And regardless of what your actual views are, they are not, they actually don't feed into each other as far as mm-hmm. I can see. Um, but you can almost, you know, in a in a survey of 100 people, you could probably guess one if you knew the other. Mm. Um, and part of that is because of the these groupings, these political groupings that, that have arisen um, over the fairly recent few years, mm-hmm. which I think is a shame. So we, we're unable to discuss issues that actually um, are pretty important, actually, you know, especially mm-hmm. things around like vaccines and um, health um, decisions about, you know, how we cope with the current pandemic, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, these are, these actually should be apolitical. They shouldn't be related to politics at all um, mm-hmm. because they're not actually political questions. They are questions about, um, you know, what's the, what's the best thing to do to protect mm-hmm. each other and ourselves. But um, again, without, I, and I don't actually need to express my own opinions about these things because that's not the point. The point is these are questions that shouldn't, shouldn't actually feel threatening to our sense of identity, mm. in my view. Um, but anyway, yeah. That's, Interesting stuff, that's, isn't it? Yeah, so in terms of the biases, um, there's a few biases that I thought might be relevant. So, mm-hmm. again, there's a website that I'll put a link to with all the biases, well, a lot of the biases on. There's loads and loads and loads of them, actually. Um, these are cognitive biases that have been recognised by psychologists. Um, so one of the big ones, I think, is the sunk cost fallacy. Of course. That's, this, this, this is the reason people don't want to be wrong when yes. they start to realise they're wrong. That's right. You've invested all this yeah, effort. I don't think it's just psychopaths. Like when you're like, we're not interested. Yeah, I think it's like because you can somewhat start to feel the tide changing in an argument, but not be mm. like um, foolhardily willing to go the other way. Do you know what I mean? So I think sunk cost is a good way of explaining this. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, you know, we've talked about this in relation to religion, but also in politics and. Um, you know, even even ethical questions. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've spent your whole life doing something, you've always voted of a, a certain belief, way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it's very difficult, isn't it, to to change that because you've invested all of this stuff. So you're going to continue to invest because it's too painful to accept um, mm-hmm. that you you know you've got to cut your losses. Um, so I think that's one cognitive dissonance we've talked about. Confirmation bias, of course, mm. is another one. Mm-hmm. And you only again, see the stuff that confirms, exactly. and you ignore the stuff that doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you're you we're seeing this a lot again currently in our. I mean, that's how social media is built. To be yeah, honest, it's built it for, for cognitive. Uh, so, it's built for confirmation bias. Um, yeah. And when it shows you anything of the opposite, it chooses purposely to choose you the most ridiculous version of your opposite so that you get riled up by it and go, that's, right. that's so completely atrocious. No wonder the other side of this group is crazy and blah, 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 because <laughs> it purposely shows you the most far right. swung version of it, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's related to illusory correlation. Not heard uh, this one before. Okay, so this is one of the, I think, one of the biggest uh, mistakes that um, I suppose lay people make when it comes to things like spotting patterns or correlations. So a correlation is is when one thing is related to another. Mm. Um, so a correlation is is when you know if there's a or at least um, there's a, a relationship, let's say. So let's say there is a correlation between bronchitis and smoking. Yeah, mm. there yeah. is a correlation between bronchitis and smoking. Um, the more you smoke, the more bronchitis people get mm. in simple terms. So that is a causal correlation. You know, smoking causes bronchitis. But then there's other things that are not necessarily causal, mm. but they might be correlated. But people tend to notice what they think are correlations, and this is the this is the uh, the history of superstition. So you know, if uh, a cracker mirror 
and then something bad happens to me at work today, I've spotted a correlation now between the mirror getting cracked and something bad happening to me at work. And it's easy for us to assume that one is related to the other. Yeah, thinking things are causatory rather than just circumstantial. Yeah, indeed. You know, it's just one of those things. These things happen. So, And then all sorts of things. Um, so, you know, footballers have a lot of these um, superstitions you know they have to put, touch my boot so many times yeah before I go one, out. Foot, one boot in before the other and do this and that. And then that becomes a ritual that if they don't do it you know they lose well that was the reason because i didn't do that so mm. these are illusory correlations and i think they're so powerful that um people draw conclusions about that and then they they ignore any evidence yeah. to the contrary I think the witnesses do this all the time um, in the way that they talk about the end times. Because I remember like when stuff was happening with um, North Korea, when they were testing the missiles and stuff from Kim yeah. Jong-un, um, I remember a few witnesses being like, oh, it's the end. It's the things that they talked about. Yeah. And then this time, you know, pandemic, it's the end. It's the end. You know, and Sorry. it's always like, okay. <laughs> Well, when I was when I was a kid, so that's that's a good example, very good example. But another kind of everyday example, mm. when I was a kid, um, I had a set of cow horns. Right. Do you know what cow horns are? You call the cows via these horns? No. <laughs> they, they are um, handlebars on a bike mm. that mm-hmm. stick out. Right. They're shaped a bit like cow horns. So mm-hmm. basically, if you wanted to be a cool kid when I was growing up, you had mm. cow horns mm. on your bike, not just like, you know, Mm-hmm. square pathetic little mm-hmm. ones you have big ones so i had a set of cow horns that i never ended up putting on my bike mm-hmm. um because i had different bike and anyway I, so there's a friend in the congregation as as i was a jehovah's witness there's a friend in the congregation called simon and i i gave him my cow horns i said well mm-hmm. i don't need them so you can have them and when he got those cow horns he said to his mom oh jehovah really provides doesn't he <laughs> No, it's quite funny. So Steven Jehovah did. had provided the cow horn. <laughs> oh yeah, but you see that. So that's another good example. It's like sweet as a child, but it's just like a little yeah. bit miserable that the adults are losing the exact same logic. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know. Um, so there's loads of examples like this in the literature. You know, uh, we needed sand for our building project, and all of a sudden there was this strange weather phenomena where all this sand got washed up ashore um mm. jehovah provides you know yeah oh, not dear. not realizing that that was a weather ph- phenomena that flooded loads of people on the other side of the island <laughs> mm. but anyway mm. so these these are reasons why people come to believe stuff which um and, and perhaps a couple to that is the dunning kruger effect have you heard of that no so this is one that is often used to beat people around the head with and again mm. this this comes down to your point about you know people generally don't accept that they're wrong during an argument so quoting the dunning-kruger effect is probably not going to win them over but the dunning-kruger effect is basically that the more uh the, the less you know about something the more confident people tend to be mm. so you see this a lot on social media you know especially around things like um the pandemic for instance you know all of a yeah. sudden people who know nothing about epidemiology are experts and uh, they'll tell you you know, what we what should be doing and, and why yeah. that thing yeah and they know nothing about it because they haven't studied it and they they don't have the knowledge or the background or the training mm-hmm. um but we're all you know we're all able to suffer that because nobody knows everything about everything so mm-hmm. um there's always the risk that we we have strong levels of confidence about certain things because we don't know much about it the more we learn in my experience, that the less confident I tend to be. Yeah. Uh, so there's 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 a few. There's the um, self-serving bias, which is another good one. So we always tend to think that um, for ourselves, if we make a mistake, it's because of something that's happened that we couldn't have controlled. Mm-hmm. So that's the self-serving bias. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a lot of these are these contribute to this desire not not to be wrong oh there we go oh and the other one i wanted to say was the what about that's that's mm. i think a big one well let's go a, on then what no. about 
And that this again relates to when you're arguing with somebody. So if you if you're in an argument with them and you say, well, you know, uh, the evidence shows that this is the case in this situation, and then they come back with, yeah, but what about this? What about this? What about mm. what you did over there? What about what he said? And mm. what about what this political party said? And what about? Mm-hmm. So it's it's just a way of deflecting um, the discussion into an area that. That they feel more comfortable. Well, is that do it? You feel, you, you, do you feel comfortable with? No, do you feel do you feel comfortable with uh, being wrong now? <laughs> yeah, you I felt all right with it before. Anyway, well, one of the things that I've written down in my notes is, "What am I wrong about now?" Question mark. You don't and know I, yet. No, you don't know, do you? You don't no. know. So I'm pretty sure about a whole bunch of stuff um, that I'm happy to say i'm very sure that armageddon isn't coming not not by god anyway i mean i can't speak to the uh um, to environmental disaster and so on don't look Mm -hmm. up yet um but i i'm sure that god isn't going to come and destroy everybody that's not a jehovah's witness i'm very sure about that crushes all like ants (laughs) indeed he's not um i'm i'm very sure that you know, if God if God exists, he's not interested in us and he probably doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure about that. But if somebody was to come to me and give me some evidence to uh, show that I was wrong about that, then okay, fine. I'd accept mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Prepare for lots of zealous evangelicals <laughs> flooding your comments, <laughs> trying yeah. to give you the proof from the Bible. <laughs> Well, yeah, you can't do that though, can you? That's the no, that's, I know that's stuck, but so that's what straight do. away. Don't bother with that one because you have to prove that the Bible mm-hmm. is something worth taking mm-hmm. notice of first. So don't try to prove the Bible by reading the scriptures from the Bible. That yeah. ain't gonna work. That ain't gonna fly. <laughs> no, ain't gonna no. fly. But no, it's of course we we can be wrong. We have to be willing to be wrong. Um, yeah, we don't know what we're to... wrong about yet, but we're yeah. willing to. Yeah. 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 Go on, tell us in the sound off in, in the comments what we were wrong about. <laughs> off you go. Have you been cu- uh, cultivating a list of things we're wrong about? Yeah. <laughs> tell us in the comments. So I've had my booster injection. Am I wrong about that? I, uh, I think mm. science is the best way to get out of the COVID debacle. I don't think the Earth is flat. Are you baiting I think the Earth people is round. now? <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Well, what else? What else? how about this? How about well, this? Well, instead of this, we'll finish on, you can tell people your exciting news. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so <laughs> I had a, an email recently from the International Cultic Studies Association, otherwise known as ICSA, not the ICSA that was the research into uh, child abuse uh, in the UK, but this is the the uh, the body that has been looking at cults and cultic groups for many many years and they've um, they asked for papers so they asked for people that would be willing to uh, talk about their research and they've accepted my research into the next um, convention so the one that's coming up in the summer i think mm-hmm. july um, i'll be doing a presentation at the convention it's going to be remote um mm-hmm. So yeah, get your tickets. Get your tickets to um, to book. I mean, it is quite an expensive convention. So it's a two day convention. Um, I don't know the exact cost of it, but it's not you know it's not a few quid. Um, so if you don't you know you can't afford that, then that's absolutely cool. We'll talk about it. But um, I'm really excited about it, um, and already I've I've got in contact with a couple of other people who are doing presentations as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of whom's coming on the show in the future. So that's really exciting. So, um, yeah, we'll talk more about it when it gets closer to the event, but we'll mm-hmm. be looking, or I'll be talking about my research into, uh, leaving Jehovah's witnesses and, um, making sense of that process and making sense of self through pursuing career and education. So that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Yeah, I am really, I'm really You're chuffed. About I'm really it. pleased. If, you, if there's a place to uh, put it in the show notes, like links and yeah. stuff, won't you? Yeah, I don't think you can buy tickets yet. So no, um, we'll put we'll, when it goes live, we'll let yeah. you know, yeah. and then yeah. we'll put it in the links and stuff. But I'm sure um, you, you'll you'll keep us up to date, won't you? I will. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Interesting Welcome conversation. Back. Um, 
I, I resisted the temptation to tell you what what things you'd got wrong. Mm. But um, the royal family. Squinting. Do you remember the royal family? I mean, I was literally a child, and I just thought they were like. <laughs> I thought it was like princess movies. Queenie's, you know, ah, she's she's, she's going strong. She's, well, I don't know how strong she's she going is. strong. Have you not seen everyone that it was like she's it's she's she's dead and they're, and they're just trying to hide it and then and then she did do the queen speech after she all did. she wasn't going to because and that but then people are like oh can you see her like her hairline's wibbly she's definitely been like she's definitely like not really there and they're just deep faking her. Another good example of being wrong. Yeah, uh, so there yeah. you go. Apparently She's the queen's dead. being deep faked. Even yeah. if she... E, e, okay, so even if there is some, like, CGI effects, maybe she's just had a fall. Like, she's old. Maybe they're just trying to hide that she's had a fall or something. The thing you know? is, is is she will die. There is no doubt no, about it. No, the queen it. is... You know, is she's in her she 90s. Is, as we were talking about this at dinner the other day, and she, she was described as the primordial being. <laughs> she will never die. <laughs> she... <Yes. laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I think uh, one thing I, I want to say to our American um, listeners who we absolutely love and our American listeners now outnumber our UK listeners by mm. something like five to one. So, yeah, um, yeah we're, we're English, talking to English you guys. Needs to, <laughs> you need to sort it out the English. Yeah. You need to tell your British. friends. It's because the British don't talk to each to anyone. They just sit in their rooms and not send a, a text to anybody. Thing. No, it's a lot smaller. We, we um, like no, to keep to ourselves. Say, we're just a nation of introverts. <laughs> what I was going to say is the Queen isn't in charge. So uh, every every person I've spoken to from America thinks that the Queen is in charge of the country. She is not in charge. In she's name, just, she is, but she's not literally. She's, not really, she's a figurehead. She's, she's a figurehead. She's like a soap opera. The family is like a soap opera. That. Yeah we all pay millions of pounds for. Well, she's just trying to outlive Charles. That's what she's up to, you know? (laughs) She just wants to bypass him. (laughs) Anyway, right, okay. We're done here, I think, aren't we? I think we're done, yeah. If you made it this long, do a Twitter like emoji of the Queen and we'll know that you made it to this bit. (laughs) Cool. All right, well, thank you for listening. Um, Yeah, don't forget to do a review. So we haven't had many reviews recently. Review, review. Um, on the Apple uh, review, so please do that. And I think it's if, follow now on Apple, by the way. Oh, okay. Oh, follow, and also tell yeah. a friend. Mm. Tell a friend. Send tell us. Friend. You can share us. Yeah, them. yeah, that'd be great. Thank you very much. See you next time. Bye. Bye. What should I think about? Is an Evil Sheep production. <laughs>